Hey everyone, welcome to the last Thursday eye of the year, December 28th. As we talk about everything that happened in the eye last week. And then we have a few expert panelists. This week is special because of the last one. We're also going to do a predictions round. We're going to have, we're going to go through all of the sections we usually cover, which is open source LLMs, uh, big company AIs and APIs and large language models, vision and video, voice and sound, AI art, diffusion and 3D. And then we also have tools and agents, and we're going to do predictions on each one, or we're going to try to, to give predictions on each one. And with the hopes that next year, we're actually going to be here again and then review back our predictions for the last year and just understand how much we have no idea about the future and how much exponential growth is very hard to predict. Hopefully some folks here in the audience also already had predictions last year. I know I had them, but I couldn't find my tweet. I definitely started thinking about, okay, what of the products that I use is going to be infused with AI last year? And just as a reminder, a few weeks ago, actually, no, almost exactly a month ago, ChatGPT was one year old. And so we did a recap of the whole year. And if you want to listen to that's on the Thursday.news Substack podcast as well. So you're more than welcome to listen to our recap for the year if it gives you some ideas about what to predict. And I think it's time to get started. We don't have a lot of news I don't know if to say like luckily or unluckily, we don't have like tons of news to, to actually share, but we'll run through the news quickly and then we will actually open up the stage to folks to give us their predictions in, in one of these areas. I don't want to like restrict it to those areas just because it'll be easier for us to then recap. And so again, the areas that we usually talk about, this is how we also give updates. Open source LLMs is the first one, is the main category that we usually cover. We love that. We love that the folks who do open sourcing and fine-tuning join Thursday AI. Then we're going to talk about big companies and APIs. I have Umesh here who's joining me recently. And then, Umesh, you have experience in using some of these big companies. I know we talk about Microsoft a lot. Vision and video. Our resident vision person, Skalski from, from RoboFlow. I don't think he's available today, but hopefully some fo other folks. But... We all got multimodal vision, so there's a lot to, to expect there. Voice and sound, there's been crazy advancements in that area, especially if you guys were here last week, we talked about Suno, and everybody like generating full-length tracks now with Suno, and, and <clears throat> voice, I think, is the preferred ChatGPT interface for many folks as well, so definitely going to talk about that. And then AI art and diffusion has been just incredible. I've seen many mid-journey comparisons this week, and we're going to cover some mid-journey stuff as well. And then tools. So again, open source LLMs. Actually, should I post this? I should post this. Yeah, I'll just post this as a pin, uh, pinned reaction so you guys will see and be able to go back there. Let me see if I, how do I actually do this? Over here. Okay, I'll post this in comments. Sections for predictions for 24. All right, you're going to see it in comments. I'm going to pin this to the top of the space and then we're going to get started which is a thing i say i keep saying this all right so <clears throat> with that i'm just gonna say hi to uh umesh hey umesh welcome 
Alex, thank you. Excited to close the year. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been a, a insane ride. And I think one prediction that we can make even before we start the prediction round is it's going to keep accelerating and being more insane. Exponential growth is happening on multiple fronts. And okay, so this is, a, I guess, the news segment. There's not a lot of stuff, but we'll try. Also, the whole point of Thursday is we stay up to date so you don't have to. So there's definitely some stuff and we're going to go into deeper into some of the stuff. I think one of the more interesting things that happened in, I'm actually going to jump around a little bit, but we'll start with open source. A friend of the pod, a, a frequent co-host, LDJ confirmed, released the Capybara dataset. Capybara is a set of models that range from, I think, a small, as small as 3 billion parameters to 30, 34B, I think. There's even one fine-tune on, on Yi. And the Capybara dataset is a pretty cool dataset, and it's now fully open source. So shout out to LDJ Confirm for that. LDJ is a, a frequent friend of the pod and, and co-host who's recently very busy, so I wonder what they're cooking as well. I'm going to add this to you guys as well. And one, one cool thing about Capybara as well is... Let me just add this to the top of the space. Is that if you guys remember, if you joined some some Thursday eyes from before, we've talked about context length uh, a bunch, and there's a few folks who did like needle and haystack analysis for GPT-4 long context, for Anthropic Cloud long context, and then recently for open source models as well. Actually, there was a there's additionally something I wanted to add. There is a research somebody did on local Llama somewhere on Reddit that tested a bunch of open source long context models, and uh, concluded that the capybara from Luigi 34B, I think it's trained on top of Yi, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, one of the best for long context over 32K. And this needle in a haystack kind of lookup, we've seen this for bigger companies like Entropic with day 200K. We've seen some interesting reactions from Entropic themselves that said, hey, if you prompt our model just in this one specific way, the accuracy of our long context retrieval goes from 27% to like 98%, which is funny, but also shows how far prompt engineering can still go. And I was waiting for a recap like this for open source models and their long context, because we've talked about long context, we've talked about Yarn scaling method, the, the authors of Yarn, actually, we had an interview with them on Thursday, I Long context is something we've been tracking this year for sure. And recently it came under kind of like scrutiny slash fire because of the ability to actually retrieve proper information from those long contexts. So it's great to see that somebody actually went and did an analysis and tested like a bunch of open source in addition to just like the closed source in context and retrieval. This is obviously happens on local llama so if your guys are not following thursday i yet you you may not know this but local llama the subreddit even though the rest of Reddit probably is not for me but local llama is a, is a very cool place to to hang and check out the news as well and in fact a little secret so some of the stuff we talk about is sourced from local llama this week as well so i definitely run through the most interesting things in there uh, for the past week before i give it to you guys so in the area of open source, we have obviously longer context is good, but now we have a comparison and Capybara dataset that was used to create one of the best models in terms of like long context is also open source from LDJ. Shout out to this. Let me send him some applause. Yeah, applause. And then the other thing that I wanted to do in open source uh, to, to mention is that our friend of the pod Technium that you guys all know and love with open Hermes stuff also released a Yi fine-tune from Naus Hermes. News Research is the, the company and then 
news Hermes. Hermes is the the data set that Technium uses to, to fine-tune, and it's one of the best ones in the 7B area, I think, still, based on LMC Serena. And now there is a 34B fine-tune of the same model, and this beats every previous news research models in all the benchmarks. Now, benchmarks being benchmarks, that's not to say that real-world performance of these models is significantly better just because it beats on benchmarks and we're going to talk about this in a second but it is it is a proven data set we've seen new CRMS 2.5 getting mentioned by multiple folks we know that some of these are gut feelings based on the community and the vibes and so definitely definitely worth checking out if you can run this on benchmarks it beats mixtrol which is pretty pretty incredible mixtrol is a very apt model that was just released. I don't know, Mesh, if you have any comments on the Yi stuff from Technium, but I wasn't able yet to run this. And uh, Yeah, just one, I, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. No, I just sent you a message that I just wanted to add that this is the first model from, from Noose, like the fine-tuned model, which has 200k context length. So that, that is also very interesting. Oh, yeah. A small detail that I forgot that, that open source is catching up to 200k. I actually missed this, man. Wow. Okay. I am going to... I'm going to add this to the top. I think, oh, it's pinned for Technium. So Technium is definitely proud of this one. I don't know why I say Technium, it's Technium. It's a model that's great for coding assistant as well. And you're saying it can fit on, in the 4-bit quantization, it could fit on a single 24-gigabyte consumer GPU, which is, yeah, this, we're going to have to cover this in our prediction round as well. Like how many how many step-downs we're gonna, going to continue to see in the world of open source. So yeah, the top tweet now uh, is pinned for New Service 2 on E34B for uh, for Christmas from News Research. And uh, I actually don't know if the data set is open. I don't think the data set is like fully open for us. But you can run this with open source. Sorry, you can run this with LM Studio on your Mac if your Mac is like one of the bigger ones, one of the beefier ones. I'm actually planning to in the next year, I finally got my Mac. I'm planning to test all these models before I actually bring you the news. Oh, yes. Thank you, Ariel, from down below in the message. One thing that I did forget to add is that we also saw a release from Apple. It's called Ferret. And it was very interesting because like, it was released and nobody talked about this. And then suddenly after a week that was released, I think, people was like, oh, no, Apple dropped the thing. So there's an... Let me go and find like a recap of this for you guys. Apple. So Apple released the uh, ferret on December 23, I think. And there's a Gradio demo as well. Let me copy this and reply to, to the to the space so you guys will see it. One second. I should have prepared links better. Okay, so here's the second one. Apple releases ferret. And Ariel, if you want to chime in about ferret, you're welcome to come up because I haven't reviewed this. But yeah, it's it's we've talked about Apple's movement to AI more, and we're probably going to talk about this in predictions. Mesh, but definitely Apple has released like a few stuff. MLX was released; we've covered that as well. And now they released LLMs in the Flash that talks about running LLMs specifically on lower hardware devices. And also, I think pretty much the same week or a week after, they also released a Ferret, which is a end-to-end. Multimodal LLM that accepts any form, referring and grounding anything in response. Umesh, go ahead and Ariel, welcome to. While Ariel joins, go ahead, Umesh. 
Yeah, just quickly to add, whatever you said is uh, definitely very interesting. But uh, the most interesting aspect that we are studying from our side is the spatial capabilities of this model because uh, none of the models we have till now have that spatial aware uh, sampler. And this is quite capable of that. And they have demonstrated quite interestingly. My engineers are actually working on some of the uh, tests and everything that we can carry out. It is very interesting from that point of view. Awesome. Thanks, Amesh. And welcome, Ariel. Folks, Ariel uh, joined a Thursday. I, I think during the summer we had a great interview with Ariel and Cole and uh, Nathaniel about the platypus models. So welcome, Ariel. We, we missed you on here on Thursday. I give us some fair news. Thanks for sending this over. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for inviting me as always. It's always a good time. I just wanted to say I love the ferret models. The one drawback is that you have to take the delta weights and apply them yourself so you need i was trying to do it on my 16 like 4090 and it was like not playing nice but otherwise it's so amazing you can prompt it and it will if you're like caption this image and you draw a bounding box around it it will actually tell you okay there's a woman at this location and a basketball at this location and like bleachers at this location and it gives you like the coordinates of all of these objects and i think there are so many incredible applications and i'm shook to my core that Apple released this, but I'm also so excited. And if anyone wants to play with it and they don't want to have to deal with applying the Delta weights, just let me know. I have them up on Hugging Face. I'd be happy to share them. That's awesome, Ariel. Thank you. And um, yeah, welcome to share. And we'll, we'll boost as, as, as much as possible next as well. Applying the Delta weights, that's not something I'm familiar with. Could you give us like a one sentence what, what that actually like entails? Oh, yeah. So they take the difference between the Vacuna weights, which is the base model, and their trained ferret weight. And that's what they give you. So you basically you just take that weight and you take you, you clone into their repo, you download all of the weights that they tell you and you run a script, which gives you the actual weights. You just need a little extra memory to load all of the models in oh, and be I able see. to take the... Interesting choice from them, releasing something in this fashion, right? Instead of something that people could just... That was... That was yeah, that was the one surprise. But other than that, it's nice. Yeah. Awesome. But it's great to see that Apple is like giving us open source stuff like more and more recently. It's great to see and definitely is a precursor towards some of the predictions we'll do around Apple because uh, we keep waiting for Apple. Everybody keeps waiting for what Apple will, will give us. Absolutely. <laughs> Omesh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, just a quick question, Ariel. Have you seen uh, any kind of difference in 7 million, 13 million in terms of spatialness, like spatial uh, pointing up? Yeah. Yeah, actually I have. I looked at the paper initially and started with the 7B because it looked like from the benchmarks that they listed that they were very close in accuracy. But I actually found at least for the like use case that I'm working with, which is taking images and trying to generate the prompts that they that were used to originally generate them. And I've noticed that the 7B tends to get really repetitive. Like it will give me the same coordinates four times in a row. And it also just misses a lot of color and detail description where the 7B will go a lot shorter and it will, it'll miss that her scarf is green or the basketball is bright orange. Whereas like the 13B will give me like that extra, that little extra bit, which is actually really helpful when you're trying to do something like a, generate images from a prompt you want it to be as detailed as possible and just very quick another question alex if you permit when you do free form and fixed form like box or rectangular shape have you seen any difference in those because that could really define the use case isn't 
Yeah, that's interesting. I actually haven't I haven't played around with that much as far as which shapes I'm using, but that's a really great idea. I actually will probably go try that right now. Thank you for the suggestion. You can go try that right now, but you feel free to stick around on the panel as we're going to After, do predictions. Yes, always. And would love to hear from <laughs> you as well. So thanks, Ariel, for the segment about Ferret. And this joins, again, this joins the MLX framework they released recently that significantly improves or reduces the amount of requirements you have to run some stuff on Apple's hardware. And this joins the LLM in the Flash paper that they've released recently as well. It's pretty awesome to see Apple innovate, even though... They innovate in open source. They give us some open source stuff. We haven't yet seen improvements in Siri. Siri is still dumb, and we're all hoping that next year Siri will be less dumb. I think on open source area, the only other thing that we are left to talk about is the stuff that we've covered yesterday, but I really wanted to cover this today as well. The current Hugging Face LLM leaderboard is a lot of models that are fine-tuned on app stages. Let me go find this real quick. Leaderboard. So if you're not familiar with the OpenLLM leaderboard, you, you probably should be if you're listening to Thursday I. This is the hug and face running metrics on a bunch of models. The current, if you remove the flagged models, there's a checkbox to show flagged models and remove them. Some of the models, they're on top, they're flagged under suspicious circumstances. Basically, if you remove those, the top 10 models right now are all fine tunes of the same model. It's the Solar 10.7B model Instruct from a company called Upstage. And so this model was released a while ago. I think we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And yesterday, a few days ago, they actually released a paper on how they achieved those top scores. And it's interesting, again, because the base instruct model, not the base, sorry, the instruct model upstage solar 10.7b is in this weird range. It's not the 7 billion parameter, it's not a, et cetera. And so they finally released a paper on how they achieved this, and they achieved this with, with a merging technique. And uh, there, there has been some discussion, and we, those of you who spent some time with us yesterday, we had a full space on this, I think we talked for two hours, trying to figure out like what's going on and whether or not some of the stuff that's going on are... Mm, less than savory. So basically, Upstage, just a small recap, is a company from North Korea, a startup from North Korea, a funded startup. They released a few models uh, for this year, and they released the paper that talks about a, what's it called, let me say, DSU method that they come up with. Oh, actually, you know what? It's really interesting. I had the the paper bookmarked, and now it's 404 on, on archive, so it may have been taken down to, to, to get an update. Or I'm getting the wrong link. But I think the paper is down, folks. So we had a discussion yesterday after some, I think Wing, I don't know if Wing's still in the audience. Wing pointed out that the method that they've, the, the folks from Upstage released and claimed that there is novel, this method has been actually used by the open source community for a while. And that their work is missing attribution to, to, to the person that, kind of came up with this method, or at least like mostly known for this effort. And so we've had a long discussion about this. Unfortunately, that was not recorded. We didn't want to record this because we, we weren't talking any facts. But the method, let me just try to find the person who, who was in charge of this. Okay, yeah, I found the tweet. I'll pin this tweet to you guys as well. And so after the release, we actually had a discussion and some folks released to Sung Kim. Sung is the guy who... I think he's the CEO of Upstage, and mentioned that the person behind some of these innovations, at least in the community, is Andy95, and there's a hug and face, and there's a bunch of models that there were like 
built with this method. The method is not considered novel by folks in the open source industry because models like this were existed. Area was Platypus also part of that? Was Platypus like a similar technique or was that a different technique that if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah, Platypus was was different. We were just that the basic merge, the plus equal sign and Peft was like our best friend. We actually went and lectured at Sung's class and he was like quizzing us on our merging techniques. And he was so disappointed when we were like, there's nothing special going on about our merging techniques. But I guess he he found something special. I won't comment further, but yeah. Yeah. And so Solar, actually, no, I do see the paper. I think just Hugging Face is bugging out on me. Sorry, not Hugging Face, Omar, I'm sorry. Archive is bugging out on me. Hugging Face is great and is very stable. So the scaling method they introduced is called DUS, and that's what they call this, and they claim it, it's a novel technique. And again, th this is a model that's right now the top of Hugging Face, like Open LLM leaderboard. However, if you guys follow Thursday AI, we've talked about often that this is not the only way to measure performance on models, specifically because a lot of those benchmarks are, are automated and it's fairly easy-ish to game. So, and folks do game some of those scores, right? And some folks train their models on the actual evaluation sets, etc. So there's a lot of debate about how do we evaluate models and how do we feel which models are like better or worse, and, and some of the answers is vibes, right? Like vibes from the community. So hopefully Thursday Eye is providing some of the folks some of those vibes as well, but definitely I see that the same 107B solar model from these folks, it's not as well performant on the LMCs arena, where LMCs is like a, a human-rated preference. And again, every time we do Thursday Eye, it's worth saying that if you don't know LMCs arena, or if you don't go there and you're interested in this area, please go there, please rank the models, just like prompt them. You'll get two examples and you choose which one's better to your personal preference. You don't have to be like a wizard prompt engineer to, for any of that. But this ties into this like ELO rank score based on human preference. And so... We can actually compare and see that even though this model is like very high up, like top of the leaderboard in open source in on Hugging Face, it's not as well, like the, the difference is stark. It's not as well performant on the LMC Serena stuff. And also that could be due to some of the methods they use to merge this. And so this merging method, aka Frankenstein models, it has been used for a while in, in the open source community. The folks from Solar came and said, hey, we introduced this novel method. As far as we know, as far as we talked about, there weren't no papers that talk about this specific method. They call this depth upscaling, but basically the same stacking of layers excuse me if i'm not going too deep technically but it's basic stacking of layers has been happening in the open source community we've talked about this some folks reached out to sung and Sung actually joined the discussion and said that they are willing to include the the models from andy 95 who's the community considers the kind of the person to, to give props to for these methods and i personally found that pretty great first of all to be on x and participate in this discussion then have a discussion in twitter space and actually see that the company that kind of is under heat here is actually interacting is willing to change their papers and give our uh, links not everybody's still like super happy with the responses there was a discussion with miguel about the source of data and how the data mix is, is in there but just to highlight that the current like top performing open leaderboard uh, model is a weird range model, is a 10.7b. It came under a little bit of a fire because they claimed to do something novel that actually was used by the community. Their 
they engaged with it and they, they were willing to correct and make amends. And I personally find it as a green flag. I don't know if Umesh, you want to add some stuff on this? You were part of the discussion yesterday, I believe. Yeah, let me gather my thought. Just give me two seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I will just say, thanks, uh, folks are posting the the actual paper itself. Thank you, Omar. I'm going to add this here. We now have this model, and I know that some folks in the community are like trying to train on this model. So we'll see some results hopefully soon without giving out too much. And then it's a fairly decent model, especially in the in, in the very low range of parameters. You can run this on local device. Uh, it's not 7B, but it's it's a fairly decent model. Let me add Nisten, who was part of the discussion as well. And as Nisten, hey, welcome. I've been recapping the the solar discussion that we that we had and the reactions from Song, but I know that uh, you, you may want to add to 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 this discussion to the folks here, and then we're going to move on. Yeah, I I want to wait a bit until we run the forensic tool that that someone ran before for Weight Watchers in Mixtral 87B, because both me and Winglian arrived independently, it seems, at this conclusion that it was uh, Undi's model, and I thought it was Never never Sleep on Hugging Face, but it turns out Never Sleep and Undi 95 were the same person. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, because it's the exact same setup. They don't mention the US merge kit, even though a lot of the other fine tunes on top of Solar. So just merge for kit. context, because not all of the people here were last week. Merge kit is the open source that allows you to do this with different methods, right? It allows you to merge two different models, stack layers on top of each other to get like a different sized model. In this case, the 10.7B is two, two mistrals, is that correct? <clears throat> yes, so it takes in, right, mistral has 32 repeating layers and the 10.7B was a technique which uh, takes in first uh, layers one to 24 and uh, then takes in layers from eight until 32 from another model or, the, or copies of him and then puts them together. So the source of why there was somewhat of a controversy was that this is something that the open source community came up with. Uh, it's been out for a few months. I've been commenting on another model like that I've been using. And then we had Solar just claim that this was a new foundation model, but then we found out it wasn't. It was the exact same layer merge. And on top of that, they didn't seem to understand on their paper why that layer merge works. They didn't have an actual deep explanation of it, which people, the open source community understands why it works that way. So yeah, that has been some controversy there and we hope to clear it up because we were all pretty at least i personally was pretty supportive of uh upstage 70b in the past and and this model it was just a bit upsetting not to see credits being given given to just some random man uh, account that came up with this first and had it perform well on the benchmarks first so there is yeah i will wait a little bit more until we do an actual forensics analysis and then say that it is exactly that recipe and not just like another 10.7p that they came up with. 
Yeah. So I, I will, from, from my end, as, as somebody who just wanted to have this discussion. So this discussion, just for reference, at least uh, it started on, on Twitter, but we definitely had a longer conversation with the group DM for, for Thursday I, which we have to talk about Thursday I usually, but sometimes there's fascinating discussions in there. And I don't want to keep them in there. I wanted to like talk about this in the open as much as possible so that's what we did and that's the space we held and sung the ceo of upstage actually engaged with the discussion in the community which i find as a green flag and they said they were willing to do the proper attribution for on the 95 and, and their work i don't know if it it goes completely to the request of the open source community and how much they actually want the the open source to be open source but i definitely found the willingness to engage shows me that it wasn't like a nefarious trying to hide things go ahead Domesh, and then we'll continue or anything, if you yeah, want. Yeah, Alex. I just, yeah, I, I I just want to say uh, I wasn't sure how much of that discussion uh, we will refer to. That's why I was a bit puzzled. But I'm I'm absolutely with uh, with Nistan on this that we have to wait till we reach some kind of let's say a conclusion in discussion with them or interaction with Sun, for example. And the other thing that is very important from this particular episode is probably as this kind of gains traction in terms of discussion, we'll have some kind of a framework that would come out of this or some kind of understanding that will come out of this that will help open source community in moving forward in terms of using the data or using the models to further fine tune or even train a different model. Yeah, and I'll just really quickly say that the Song himself has done a lot of good work also on the medical AI side and, and published research. So. I also want to give him the opportunity that maybe one of his staff members used the model, trained it, didn't say anything, didn't mention anything about it, because he might just, it's very likely he might just not know, just given how quickly things move in the field. Also, want to give him some time to clear it up with his own staff, and then we can all move, move forward before making any bigger <laughs> claims. Yeah. So I think just to wrap this up, there is some discussion about attribution and whether or not the methods that were used to train the top current top open source leaderboard model were those really novel to this team or they came from the open source community. There's some discussion about this. The company is willing to engage and some is engaging and then we're going to see more attribution. And there's more to come here, but definitely we'll keep you guys posted. This model seems like very well performant, even though it doesn't beat other 7 billion parameter models, at least on human preference. Stuff like I think OpenRMS is still leading over there, OpenChat from Alignment Labs and, and some other folks is still leading over there. I think that we're moving towards the next update here, unless we st still have some stuff in open source they want to cover. Nistan and Umesh and Ariel, if you want to like chime with them, open source stuff, feel free. But I think if not, then we're moving forward. Yeah, okay, and yeah, we're moving forward. I see some folks in the audience who may still have some things to, for us to say. Omar Zanova, if you guys have open source important stuff that we've missed, feel free to chime in. But we're moving forward. We're moving forward towards OpenAI, who, which is always in the news. Uh, I just want to... Oh, like, I will not have the last Thursday I without Yam chiming in on open source. So Yam, welcome to come up. If you can, if you're able to, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting a little bit, losing my voice. Oh, we got Ash as well. Ash, welcome. One second, folks. We'll, we'll bring more people because uh, this is a last year's party. I think Ash, <coughs> welcome. We met on San Francisco and then I don't think you came up to Thursday I ever, right? Or you came just one time? Uh, I think I came before, but just as a listener, as a and listener. I feel like today as we have a wrap-up party, maybe I have a couple of other notes to share with the broader community. 
I think most people agree that next year will be big for agents and multimodality. And we are not really super into agents, but we've worked a lot on multimodality with my team. And we wanted to share one last model this year, which we're doing in about an hour, which will be a generative model, a very small one, just a billion parameter, actually a billion and a half. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, I, have, I have a thing for this. Hold up. Sure. AI breaking news. <laughs> Coming oh, at you. Oh. Only on oh, AI. This- we got breaking news, folks. Hey, Ash, thank you. So wait, are you not, you, you haven't released it yet. You, you're about to release this in an hour, so you're giving us like a, a sneak preview? Yeah, yeah, there's a pull request on our repo. You can find it on GitHub as Uform, U-F-O-R-M. We'll merge it within just a few minutes. So essentially, we generally work on like very scalable systems for search and multimodal search mostly. One of the problems that we faced is that when preparing data, you sometimes want to use generative models like Lava, to improve the captions, to do some visual question answering, generate some synthetic data. And we realized that Lava's, though great, are expensive to run at large scale. So yeah, it's seven-ish billion parameters and StructBlip is also seven-ish billion parameters. So we've trained uh, our own generative model that seems to be somewhat competitive. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's like state-of-the-art or uh, a big revolution. It's a very small incremental improvement in the industry, but it's just a billion parameters, a billion and a half. So you can run it on very small devices and you can achieve like really high throughput on even like consumer grade GPUs. So you'd expect 140 tokens per second, even on RTX 3090 with vanilla PyTorch with nothing else. That's like about four times higher throughput than Lava. And we'll be very excited to hear some more feedback. Oh, and one more thing. It also works in chat setting, even though poorly. Like, we'll have to improve a lot on this next year. Awesome, man. That's, that's great. Thanks for uh, giving us uh, some uh, insight into what's coming. Nissan, go ahead. I know you, you work with small vision models as well. Uh, I think Obsidian was the smallest one that we've, we've talked about, right? 3.4 billion or so? Yeah, and I actually had... Neuralink create a clip model specifically for higher speed stuff. So we'll likely be releasing one. It's a standard 1B, it's a 3, it's a 3B. I just had some trouble with quantizing and, and running faster stable LM. So we're just going back to red pajama because it, it performed better on those smaller models. But yeah, we'll also have something for a classifier releasing soon. So will be interesting to uh, to see. Also, if someone knows a very good, easy benchmark that someone can run for multimodal, please either DM or or post it. I know there are a whole bunch. I just want one that I can just copy paste in or have an API or have an API with some kind of structure you can send all your data to and get a response. Otherwise, I'll have to write my own. So if someone else has a good multimodal benchmark that, that they've used, please yep. let me know or post it publicly on this. Yeah. We need more multimodal benchmarks. Ash, what are you guys using? Uh, I'd actually plus one on this one, big plus one. There are obviously benchmarks for VQA, but for captioning, the situation is really bad. We Before releasing the generative model, we had our embedding models. For embedding models, we used MS Coco, and we've translated the trainings like split of the data 
into 20 languages with all kinds of different APIs because our models are multilingual. But there's a couple of other benchmarks from Google and a few other companies. They're not perfect. But with generative stuff, it's even worse. For captioning, the best we found, which is still horrible, is clip score and ref clip score. And the problem with those is that they use clip to determine the quality of the alignment between the generated caption and the original image. And as we know, clip is not perfect itself. But you get a lot of bias towards a specific kind of descriptions, towards a specific length, and sometimes models that hallucinate more achieve higher results on clip score, which definitely isn't great for a benchmark. If you have any good multimodal benchmarks, either for embeddings or for captioning, just please let me know. Yeah, it seems really, that area is lacking. Go ahead, Nathan. Oh, just really quick. I think they had LMSYS or Llama Index did publish some on, on previous tweets. So I'm going to look at that because there were, I know there were another one or two open source ones. So yeah, anyway, just looking to organize those. So I'm actually like looking forward for this discussion yeah. later in today's recording. We're going to have folks from Mila who released Robin. There's a uh, multimodal vision models, like a suite of them. And I want to talk to them about how they test as well. And they combine Vicuna and Mistral and OpenNermis as well. Definitely stick around. Let's ask, let's talk about this because we're going into the multimodal area. And there's not, if there's a mess now with evaluations, it's going to be way messier, I think, in multimodal world because it's like Ash, like you said, like just doing captions. I think when Fuyu was released from Adept and Fuyu was also a multimodal model, they talked about how, how difficult it is to evaluate because, and they even showed some examples. should probably go and find that, that thread. That was a great thread with examples of the model actually performs well and tells you what the image has, but then the, the benchmark is really bad and expects this one specific statement of a thing. And that usually fails the score, but the model did perform well. I think last that, thank you, Omar. I think last thing that we should probably at least mention is the Argila folks, Argia, Argila, I don't know how to pronounce this. They announced Notux 8 times 7 b which is a fine tune of Mixtral. And I don't know if we saw a lot of Mixtral fine tunes before, at least I haven't. And so it's worth mentioning. I They say it's like the top ranked MOE on the OpenLM leaderboard. I didn't even know that you can like sort them by MOEs. But uh, yeah, it's a higher score, but like fine-tuned mixture. It averages out just a little bit like higher, not significantly, but definitely like higher score. And yeah, worth shouting out that as we expected, Mixtral just around a month after its release, maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, like three weeks, is now getting fine-tuned as well as we expected. A very well-performing model and it's worth checking out if you're into this. I actually want to see if they released some of the code as well. Oh, they also use DPO, direct preference optimization for, for fine tuning this. And as I'm stuttering through this, our friend and, and dear colleague, Yam joined. Yam, have you seen Notex stuff or you want to react on that or, or some other things? Actually, I haven't seen this one specifically, but I'm just, I just want to say that it's a little bit, there are tricks that you need to do in order to fine tune Mixtro because it's an MOE and so on and so forth. And moreover, it's a large model at the end. It's 54 million parameters. It makes sense that it takes a little while before we get good fine tunes of this model. It's a little bit harder to pull up, but uh, yeah, it's the best, best base we have at the moment. Yeah, exciting. It's just, I don't know, two, three weeks from the moment we got it. Makes sense. 
Yeah, the, the, they outlined that it's just a start for MOE fine tuning, and right now, like there's a high rank MOE uh, on on Hagen face. Uh, Omar, uh, welcome, Omar. You're the uh, feel free to introduce yourself. I don't think you've talked on Thursday I before. Yes, hey everyone. Uh, yeah, so I'm Omar, I'm the chief Lama officer at Hugging Face. <laughs> uh, and my, yes, that's actually my official title. Uh, but yeah, so what did come base is really being the point of contact between Hugging Face and a bunch of different open source communities. So it's a mix of technical and community and product work. Uh, yeah, so talking about Natux, what's interesting about it is really how it was fine tuned. So there have been a couple of mixed fine tunes in the last couple of weeks. So it's a fine tune of Mixtral Instruct. So Mixtral, they released an Instruct model, and this was done using DPO itself. So it's a fine tune, so supervised fine tuning, then DPO. And they did a DPO on top of it. So this is a DPO squared kind of thing. And yeah, it's quite interesting. Our in particular is interesting because it's a, a data annotation tool. They have been doing quite a bit of a data labeling tooling in the last two years or so. And for example, they found a bunch of bugs in ultra feedback, which is this preference data set that everyone is using. And yeah, so their focus is not that much on the, on getting the best model, but really being able to get clean, high quality data and being able to do TPO on top of a TPO model itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Omar, thank you for, for coming up and uh, sharing this news. I forgot, I, like I, I mentioned Notus in my notes, but I forgot to add this. So thank you for pushing me. And I think Notus like, ends our open source coverage. I think we, we just have like, two more things to talk about and then we're going to do predictions. So everybody who's on stage, please stick around on stage. And everybody else in the audience, if you have predictions to start thinking about, definitely check out, definitely start thinking about what you would want to do or what you would predict the next year will bring to us. And then we're going to have a discussion about this i think the last two things that we want to talk about are not in the open source area i think we've covered that plenty we're going to talk about the big companies and i think the main issue the main thing that happened this week in that area is the lawsuit that new york times opened against OpenAI and microsoft and we've talked about this yesterday a little bit but it wasn't recorded so umesh feel free to join me here and mr Niam, whoever if you want to chime in basically new york times files a lawsuit against OpenAI and Microsoft claiming that the models that they've trained are trained using copyrighted material and that they shouldn't include this material and they're seeking to remove that material and I think also to ask OpenAI to retrain their models without that without that information we all know at least like some of us know that all these like large language models they've been trained on a bunch of information from the internet one common crawl data set is like one of the, the biggest ones that they mentioned in the lawsuit. Common crawl has, I want to say, 54 billion, some crazy number of texts. New York Times actually claims that they're the third source in there after Wikipedia and some other source. And they're like very, they're highlighted in the process as well. They're ranked higher than other sources. They claim that they have 150 plus years of rigor and journalistic attention etc and so all of this content was trained to use the gpt4 models specifically they have around a hundred examples of a verbatim quote from new york times articles they don't share the prompt work that they used to get this happen and i wasn't actually able to reproduce some of them i actually went and tried to to see if gpt4 will give me verbatim the same articles and i couldn't get the same examples that they shared but still, they have around 100 examples of 
pretty damning kind of evidence if you're thinking about this in terms of okay here's the start of the article and then they got the model to spit out almost verbatim the rest of the article now i'm pretty sure that those examples are cherry-picked but still given the way these things work as they they produce the next stock and predictions it is interesting to see that they were able to pull out exact articles more than a hundred of them from these models even though these models are not they're not like lossless compression models they're, they're definitely lossy it was very interesting and the whole lawsuit is it's a big deal because of just the way that these things are working all of these models were trained on on a bunch of data from the internet this data uh, was treated by the silicon valley folks or, or some other folks is if you scrape it then it's free or to some extent the common crawl database which is the one that actually scraped it they have a copyright thing a notice on their i think website that says if you use common crawl it's up to you to go to each individual source and make sure that you're agreeing with their terms of service so the common crawl kind of data set is um definitely removing the liability from, from their, themselves and this is kind of a big deal if this goes through and uh, there have been a few threads on, on twitter from legal quote-unquote experts talking about whether or not this could be debatable or not it looks like the examples are not debatable i'm very skeptical personally about the examples being reproducible but i don't know if that will matter at all i'm not a legal expert but it, it's quite a big deal new york times is a big institution uh, another thing I want to add to this before I open up the stage to discussions about this is that uh, OpenAI does have partnerships with Politico, so they do pay for some sort of something with Politico as well. And uh, in the lawsuit, it mentions that New York Times had tried to come to an agreement about some amount of payment with OpenAI prior to the lawsuit. So it does seem like a outcome of a, how should I say, unsuccessful collaboration attempt or unsuccessful mining extraction attempt depends on where you're at in, in your feelings about uh, New York Times. So it does seem like the lawsuit came after some negotiation attempt happened. And I think that's pretty much all the major things. So th there's a lot of examples there. They filed it in the New York court, SDNY, I believe. This is a fast track towards bigger results. And what else? I think the prevailing kind of response that I see is that by the time this gets resolved, we're going to be on like GPT-7 or something, right? The court system is notoriously slow. Corporate law wasn't written for this new age of information wave of uh, technology. And yeah, we're, we're going to hear maybe a little bit about this, but then I think it's going to take its sweet time in courts. I think that's enough of a, of a background. If you guys want to chime in on this, feel free. Omesh, we talked about this as well. If you want to add some stuff and then this, then Yam, go ahead. Yam. You have your hands up first. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say that what we see now, in my opinion, is simply that the licensing models are not up to date with the new usage that people use. When uh, today you, for example, you license an image or a video online and you just want to use it for your website, so there is a special license that grants you to do this. However, if you are a news, a news media and you want to publish it in real time on television. The same footage, the same video, you get, you need to use a different license and different pricing. And if, if you think about it, it's the same footage, it's the same video, but it's two different licenses. So what we see at the moment, and this, in my opinion, this is where it's going in the future, there will be a license or some sort of a licensing model that grants or, per, or permits you to use it 
for training your own model. And this is how you would do this legally in the future. I don't know if it's going to be, but it, this is my guess to where it is going at the moment, simply because we don't have this yet. So it's confusing for everyone. Um, what, what do you think about yeah. the Japan okay. approach, Yam? Remember we talked about Japan, Japan just, the, the, just decided that everything is corporate doesn't apply for training and that it's like Look. legal to train on, on whatever public material there is. Look, it would be nice if everything was legal and you could just do whatever you want and use whatever you want. It's, it's great for whether it's a tree in a bottle, but I do understand why some corporates are, are angry that their content is used. And I think that there will be, there really need to be some answer in terms of legal answer to, for those individuals as well, for those corporates and for those individuals as well. Uh, I, it's nice that, that some, some states just permits just the whole thing. What, what I want to, what I'm not sure about is that and I think it's intertwined with everything else is how are you going to know? Because, okay, then there are new New York times was it's in colon crawl. So it pretty much guarantees that it was used for training, but there are things that are uh, much less, much less detectable, you can say. And I'm not sure how those will be handled in the future. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting in terms of the legal part of it. Yeah. In my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, Umesh, go ahead. And then we have uh, a new commenter, Mani Penny. Yeah, just uh, a very quick comment on that. Basically, I think at the core of this is going to be whether the models are lossy compression, very lossy compression of the data that goes into training or they are abstract representation of the data. And that will basically get answered. The second thing is, as Alex, you rightly pointed out, this could drag on for a few years. And every second that passes, there are hundreds and thousands of generations taking place through, let's say, OpenAI's interface and, and APIs and everything. So basically, by the time we even reach or complete the discovery and go to trial base, so much material will be out already generated from these AIs that it will become a moot point because then there'll be models which will be trained on that material and everything. So it's just going to compound itself every second that passes so unless uh, courts come out and bring an injunction to, to use of these interfaces, it would be like, it, it will become a moot point in a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, by the time, like, <laughs> it could become like irrelevant as well, especially because they may say that we've taken the steps and now it's impossible to do, which they, they did quickly. I want to say hi to Irina, just real quick, Irina, before we get uh, and we start talking about some stuff and then predictions as well from you, uh, Mani Penny, I think you had a comment about, about the, the lawsuit and yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously I'm based in the UK. And I'm a former journalist with the BBC, although I did do some print journalism as well. Obviously, the, the big um, part of this is the precedent that would be set that would open floodgates for every other media publication to claim the same. And as I read it, which I don't think you mentioned, I'm not entirely sure which media organization it is, because obviously it's in the States, but there's a business wire or business something that has already had an undisclosed commercial agreement. Uh, uh, open AI or chat GPT, whatever, which is slightly dangerous. And when I looked in detail at the concerns that New York Times had, 
as well as replicating, duplicating, scraping, whatever you want to call it, it's actually taking something that has been written by one of their investigative journalists, maybe, and removing part of it, taking part of it out of context, missing a key paragraph that might give a defensive statement that would totally alter the, the content. For example, New York Times did a big story on the origin of COVID. Now, in journalism legal terms, if you don't give both sides of the argument correctly and give both parties a, a right to comment, then you're in legal hot water with the publication group anyway. So if a, an AI engine took out some content and failed to reproduce or just took out certain sections that would render it not being balanced, that would certainly be a real fiery problem for a lot of broadcasters, but also for individual journalists who some of them, or many of them increasingly, are working on a self-employed basis in the UK, and I would think similarly on a consultancy basis in the United States. So I am concerned about this. I'm very concerned about it. Um, I think it would be fascinating to see how this one goes through. And I think the biggest problem is you've got to look at an international legal perspective and the legal system that covers journalism and journalists and media in the United Kingdom is very different to the US. But as you may have seen, things like what's happening with Harry and Meghan suing the newspapers and the newspaper groups for millions and millions in the United Kingdom at the moment. The UK law that protects journalists or journalists' uh, corporations, I think, would have an absolute field day if New York Times win this. An absolute field day. So I think it will be fascinating to see what happens. Thank yeah. you for letting me speak. Thanks. Thanks, Mani Penny. Definitely the precedent here, if it would be set, would be monumental. However, dep depends on when it would be set. This may not be very much consequential because it could take a while. The US court system is very slow. Microsoft is, you know, big pockets, a lot of lawyers. They can drag this out as, as long as they pretty much want to. Interesting to see what New York Times will actually get from this or want to get from this. I saw some takes from, I think, Jason Calacanis that said, hey, this could lead to the fact that OpenAI will retrain the GPT without this data. And I found that to be a laughable take, I'm sorry. I, I just don't see this happening personally. So I think the, the last thing that we're going to cover in the news before we get to uh, an interview with the Robin folks, which is, I see Shitish Gupta now coming up and Irina Rish, uh, welcome as well. And then we're going to do the, then we're going to do predictions. Interview first, then predictions. But the last thing that we want to cover, uh, Umesh, you want to follow up on the mid-journey stuff and how it relates to this? Yeah, so mid-journey, basically the uh, V6 is quite capable of generating images which are like exact or rather 95, 98% representation of the frames that you see in famous uh, movies, anywhere from Shrek to SpongeBob to everything. And especially if you go to the uh, Discord server, if you have access to Discord server, mid-journey's Discord server, then you will see that uh, it's getting flooded with, with exact replicas of what you find in movies and everything. So mid-journey could be we might very fast hear about what would happen on that front. And one of the ways Midjourney might be looking at getting out of this is to move the generation to the website. It's also influenced by Discord's change of file sharing and everything, but that could be one of the way to insulate themselves. So that is also an area and I'm part of an AI art space as well. And there, there are some really big names from AI art in that area and they have raised a significant concern about various aspects of that. So that is another space which is going to come up really well. We saw first hint in the in the Hollywood uh, strike and everything, but this is going way beyond beyond those things. 
so yeah so for folks I, I wasn't able to find like a good thread mesh if you have a good thread uh, please feel free to pin this to the top of the space the sure the the basic prompts for me journey were uh, their folks just ask give me a still image of this movie uh are showing up like incredible likeness to the movie itself like incredible like almost a year ago you wouldn't have believed that this wasn't a movie shot and now they're just like coming up with this obviously compared to OpenAI, for example in in dali dali will refuse to to give you uh, responses for this dali will just say no i'm, I'm not like uh, copying copyrighted content mid journey v6 came out of a few weeks ago i want to say and i think they're considering this a free like beta or something during this period and during this period they're trying to catch like all, all of the these examples but the internet is gushing with just how much likeness like for shrek or for disney movies or for anime and different things Midjourney can come up with and it's really like uncanny it's really i think it passes the uncanny valley it's really there and that obviously triggers some copyright decision things and it would be interesting to see if, if folks like disney or whoever will try to come at Midjourney as well i think if that i think it's almost it but i think i lost oh there is or yeah, Shitij, I think. Omesh, just one last thing, and then uh, go ahead and we'll, we'll do the interview with Irina and Shitij from the Robin team. No, just wanted to say that I posted one one particular thread which contains practically all the prompts and how the images are generated, what kind of images are generated. It is from one of the X handles, uh, proper prompter, who does this. So I'm just shared it in the Jumbotron. Awesome, thank you. Feel free to stick around, folks, who are already on stage as we're moving to the last segment of Thursday Eye. Because this is the last one for the year, we're going to do a round of predictions. And as I posted in the beginning, we talked about this in the beginning. If you've been here and you survived almost the two hours that we've been here, now we're moving to the prediction stage. Thank you for uh, sticking around. We are going to do predictions in five categories or six categories. We'll start with open source LLMs. And yeah, I will not talk. I just like f folks in the audience as well, if you have whatever predictions you may have, We've collected a bunch on this tweet that I did that people kept reacting to. So I, I may just read out some predictions here. And I think it's posted to the top of the space as well. I'm going to repost this again. So this is the categories and look at the uh, pasted tweets. And then here's the prediction thread that you can reply to as well. Let's do open source LLMs. I'll kick us off and then feel free to just like chime in, raise hands or just chime in here. For open source LLMs predictions for 2024, I'm looking forward for architectures that extend transformers significantly. We're looking at the beginning of the, the SSM models, right? The solid state, space state models. Uh, so I'm looking for more of that and maybe some more innovation in that in open source. Folks on stage, what's your 2024 open source LLM predictions? One gigabyte models with performance of mixtral so small pretty out there as a, as a prediction yeah we're gonna see mixtral levels of performance because from people who use it know it's it's pretty good and uh, we're gonna start seeing those at uh, just one gigs of size so then you'll be able to just run them on any iphone any android any raspberry pi so we should see the, that same level of performance, at least when it comes to reasoning and problem solving at, so, at, at one gigs of size. So your prediction, Nisten, just to summarize for 2024, is a on-device, like on-mobile device local model that runs with the level of mixed role? Yeah, we're going to see useful 
models that you can use every day that are about like one gig something in size. Nice. Okay. That's my prediction. I'm gonna make that. Yeah. In a, in a few months, I think. Irina, I think you only need to go next. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I have several trends or gradients that I can see. Definitely, as you see, uh, as you said, 24. Just like 2023 was year of LLMs. 2024 will be year of multimodal. That's, I think, pretty clear. So the second thing is, indeed, it's chiming in with a previous prediction. I definitely see smaller models being trained on more data. So basically the trend that started with Chinchilla, yeah, so the original Jared Kaplan scaling laws suggesting not quite correctly to build humongous models with relatively small data, then replaced by Chinchilla, 50-50 data model size, then replaced by Llama, basically saying that if you actually care about not just optimal compute for training, but for inference, the models should get smaller. So they will be getting smaller, but the data on which they're trained can be larger. And that's why I really believe that continual pre-training and piggybacking on each other work especially in open source, is what we all need to do. We should stop just uh, chaotically creating yet another model trained from scratch. We could hopefully somehow organize and start building on top of each other works. And we can do possibly things like maybe distillation of different model architectures to a common one on top of which we can all build, do continual pre-training with those models so you can keep feeding those llamas. If you look at the plots of Llama 2 in the Llama 2 paper, even the smallest one is very far from saturation with all this data that they gave it. You can keep feeding it, but probably continually so you don't have to start from scratch. So I think that kind of consolidation and continual training on more data hopefully will become a trend and that is a strength of open source community because we can really build on top of each other. I hope to see that. Yeah, yeah. I will just, uh, before we get to Pharrell, I think you came up to, to also give your thoughts about open source. I would love to hear from you, Pharrell. We got two Llama releases last year, right? Llama 1 came out and then Llama, Llama 2 followed up with like fully commercial license as well. Probably the third one at some point as well, I want to say. Go ahead, Pharrell. Pharrell predictions for 24 in open source. If you can unmute, and if not, like we'll, we'll move. I think Shumanik also came up. And uh, Unesh, I want to hear from you as well. All right. Looks like uh, Shumanik is next. Go. Go ahead, man. My prediction is, so first we saw like GPT-4. When GPT-4 came out, like all these agent frameworks were like exploding, like Langchain agents came out and everyone was playing around with these agents. And it was just a thing exclusive to GPT-4. But I think 2024 will be the year of like agents running on 7B models or like maybe even 3B models. So like all these local models will get agent capabilities and you can do like web search on them. And I heard rumors of someone getting code interpreter running on a 7B model <laughs> and yeah, I think this would be exciting. I wonder if we know who that someone is. Thank you, thank you, Shumanik, uh, for the prediction. So, local model agents running like locally—is that what I'm hearing from you? Like, no longer the GPT-4 API, whatever. Folks will start like shipping and running them locally, and they will actually do some stuff. Is that the right way to summarize your prediction? Yes, I think you all should keep an eye on the grammar things because I think grammar will enable 
this new age of agents running on local models. Because like in, in Grammys, you can really force the model to do the thing you want to do. So yeah, I think this will drive 2024. Awesome prediction. Okay, agents definitely. We're going to get to agents at the end there as well, but definitely agents and open source, they make so great prediction there. Pharrell, go ahead. Hey, everyone. So predictions, I think we'll see the end of the dominance of the transformer architecture in the next year. We will definitely see much more multimodal models, as Irina put it, because it just will make models even more capable at understanding our world and interacting with users. We will also... Def, uh, as something that I, I think is a bit more out there that may not be like that may be more in line with this agent's idea is that we'll see the marriage of RL language models in viable ways that have not been proven yet. But uh, we're, we're starting to see the precursors, the proto uh, agents now, but those are like dumb because they don't learn on the fly, they don't learn online. Yeah, I'm, if you don't know already, like I'm very, a big proponent of like architecture innovations and how we can beat the idea of scale and like these assumptions that a lot of the industry has on scale being the the hammer that hits all the nails, right? And it's just a, I think something that I hope we see that I'm not sure uh, we will have solved yet is a new benchmarking standard because as the current benchmarks are completely broken the leaderboards all of these are just easily gamed these are kind of artifacts of pre-LMs that that have carried over into this new world i think that we need a definitely a new standard of how we actually evaluate these models and we'll hopefully see some more of that in, a, in the coming year especially the, the two trends are identifying and predicting multimodality and, and evaluation i think we'll meet there for sure, as, as, as those are even more complex than just text. Uh, all right, folks, I think we've, we've covered open source LLM predictions. Anybody in the audience, you feel free to just chime in to the comment section as well. We'll cover those and feel free to raise your hand. If you want to talk about the next predictions, we're going to talk about big companies and APIs. So let's move there. When we talk about big companies, APIs, we talk about the established big companies, like the GPU rich companies, Apple, Google, whatever. And then we're also going to talk about potentially big companies becoming big companies as well. Omesh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I skipped you and then we're going to do big companies. Yeah, I just wanted to add a couple of things in open source, basically. One thing that I'm, I think could come up during this, during this year, or 2024, is that we might see an architecture that will allow models to have plug-and-play weights so that you can literally like bring in an expertise into the model. And the other one is the, in the absence of uh, a very strong framework, it's more like an agenting framework, which will improve itself. So basically a self-improving prompt pipeline framework. It's all, the early shoots are already there, like in DSPy and other, but that particular uh, workflow will really accelerate in 2024 because that's the limitation that we all are facing right now. 
All right. I think, yeah, I think we have enough predictions uh, to, to be able to then review them next year. Alex, go ahead. I think I said, oh, no, Alex, I think just dropped. Okay. Next, we're moving over towards uh, big companies. Again, big companies that are already big or companies that are becoming like bigger companies. In my head, that's Mistral. So I guess I'll start. Mistral raised an ungodly amount of money this far. They've showed that they can. They showed open source. I predict Mistral is a, as they're going into the inference kind of endpoints as well, and they're like showing some of their models are open source, but then other models they're only sending via their APIs. I predict that Mistral in 2024, Mistral, the company, is a viable alternative to OpenAI's APIs, as well as specifically coming very close or maybe beating them on some benchmarks or performance. I don't know about like GPT-5 that I'll let others predict, but I predict Mistral is becoming like a big player, not only in open source and the, the models they release, but also a company that like people are trusting their business on top of like the and becoming one of the like forward runners, probably surpassing Anthropic. I, I, I have a feeling that's my prediction for 2024 uh, for the big companies. I want to hear from you folks who are building with OpenAI, folks who are building with like APIs. We can have a bunch of predictions, right? Like we got GPT-4 last year. We got a bunch of updates as well. Who thinks we're going to get something more from Uncle Sam? All right, Shroom, go ahead. You, or Umesh and then Shrumanik. Are you looking for only OpenAI or just just big companies? Whatever predictions do. If you want to do Microsoft, <laughs> Google, Apple, let's talk yeah. about Apple predictions. Uh, yeah, so mine mine is on Apple. We will see definitely see an AI device fully capable of multimodal capabilities uh, from Apple. That's for sure because for him. They are, they are running late and they should have dropped. They have promised that they will drop for him on GitHub by the end of December. So that's one of the biggest one. And specifically talking about Google, Gemini Pro might actually commoditize API completely uh, because it will have capabilities uh, that are currently in API space specifically are going to be far beyond what we are seeing currently. Also, let's keep in mind that just because it's Apple, and Google doesn't mean that they're really better than everyone else. For example, uh, ML Ferret from Apple is basically just uh, how Oceans uh, was in the audience model. It's still lava based, still uses the exact same proj file. And on Google's side, despite the vast Google resources, their mobile OS-centric LLM was still a GGML file. Yeah, just because it's a big, huge company does not guarantee anything that they'll uh, advance a lot more in terms of the key technology, but uh, they, they could advance way more in terms of usability. Uh, in in the reach, case of, right? Yeah. Like your, your and my yeah. grandmas yeah. can start using this because it's just on their phone. Yeah, and, and one of the biggest advantage Apple has is having control of the hardware. And, and that's where I think they, they definitely score way ahead of other companies. Yeah, so prediction Apple will step in. You want to do like a concrete prediction, Umesh? Will we see like a revamp yeah, so, theory with LLM? Yeah, so I see specifically in metaverse kind of space, Apple coming with an augmented AR device, which is capable of using leveraging AI for all the multi multimodal tasks. And on Google specifically with Gemini Ultra, I see API prices really crashing significantly. 
and that, that would make a lot of business use cases really great. So in enterprise applications and even in small businesses. All right. I want to get to George who has his hand up. Big company, PA predictions. Go ahead, George. Yeah, I don't have a prediction about a specific company, but I have a prediction about something that I think is, it might happen is that I think that the entirety of an undergrad CS curriculum, there will be a model that will be able to do that at an A level by the end of the year. If the, the, the GPT-4, it's already pretty, pretty good, but I think that, that might happen. <laughs> so is that going to be a different model? So are you predicting like a next uh, release of GPT this next year? Maybe. I don't know. No, not not by any particular model, but I think there will be a big model that comes out of one of the top labs that can like that can ace like a computer science undergrad. I see. Okay. That's a very like solid prediction. Easily testable. Shrimanik, go ahead. Big company in API predictions. So I think we're gonna get like a extremely good model, like maybe GPT four point five or maybe GPT five. Or it could be also from a different company. But with the, with the, uh, so, so it, it costs like a lot. Maybe you pay 50 cents per re response or like maybe a dollar per, per response. So a really expensive, but really good model. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that, that's out of left field. I haven't considered this. I do remember a Sam, Sam Altman tweet that says he predicts that people will like pay more for the smarter tokens as the kind of the average token prices drop down and API tokens drop down. Yeah, I, I remember something like this. We have a new person, John Doe, who joined as well. If you want to like chime in with a prediction for big companies APIs, go ahead. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of awesome stuff with the large language models. That's nice. But I think we're about to see some really interesting integrations with Apple planning to release their uh, Vision Pro, the Vision Apple Vision Pro, I think it's called, with the spatial computing and all of the awesome stuff they've done with bounding boxes and spatial aware models. All of this is about to come to fruition. I think Meta is definitely right there with them. And I think there's going to be some interesting one-upmanship between the two at the very least i think we're going to see some really interesting mixes that have live application product level stuff yeah so that even is the in, most concrete yeah, yeah go ahead yes yeah, so i'm saying that even in the end of 23 we see meta releasing their uh, meta ray bands and that has a multimodal ai in them you can like already press a thing and, and take a picture of the real world and as you're walking around and then we do see yeah definitely i think with the spatial computing stuff there's going to be a prediction there i want to hear like a more concrete prediction if possible John, do you have a concrete prediction what happens with the spatial stuff together with ai i'll say this I think it's going to be a year of product as opposed to demos. We're going to see a lot more product and I don't think it's just going to be these main players. I'm imagining there's going to be an iPhone type product that's going to revolutionize things. I think it's going to be launched this year. Okay. And some of the stuff that we already know about, like a pin from Humane or some new stuff that Johnny Ive supposedly worked with Sam Altman and they posed somebody else from Apple recently. Are you predicting like new things or things we already know that will just take place? This will be new. New. This will, in retrospect, in a couple of years, will be like, that's what changed things, that product right there. 
it's going to be like ChatGPT, but not ChatGPT because ChatGPT is not enough. Love it. Okay, so the prediction is there's going to be a new product, potentially hardware, that's going to embed AI into our lives from one of the big companies. Will be this is like 2024 release. All right. Okay, folks. Anything? Anybody else? Definitely hardware. Just, definitely hardware. Feel free to jump in here with predictions about hardware, folks from the audience. If you have one and you want to comment, we have one comment from Akshay who joined us often. Meta will outperform most companies in video AI and in mixed reality domain. I think yes to that. Definitely. I, I wanted to add this in the in the video section, but I do believe that as we're now talking bigger companies, etc. I think multimodality on the input will move towards video. That's my prediction. I think I already chatted about 11 labs and they're like almost real time understanding of video. We saw Gemini stepping in and Gemini, you know, the famous demo that was like faked, quote unquote, uh, was outraging for some of us. But that for real, I think in 2024, we'll get there. We'll get to a live streaming video understanding of a multimodal AI, whether or not that's going to be built into hardware or not in 24, hard to say. I don't want to predict built into hardware, but in terms of capabilities, I think real-time understanding of video, we're going to get there. I think we're almost there. Who else do we have who wants to chime in before we move on to, I guess I did cover video a little bit, right? Vision and video. Anybody else want to do like vision prediction for next year? Irina, you guys built like multimodal stuff. I see some folks in the audience who like definitely worked on multimodality. Houtien from Lava, feel free to come up and tell us like, what do we think in 24 predictions for vision specifically, or I guess multimodal, including vision? Doesn't look like there's tons of people jumping at the opportunity to talk about vision specifically, uh, but we did cover some of it. Go ahead, Mesh. Uh, 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 Alex, I can. I am not so much on the vision side, but I can make one prediction on the art generation side, uh, if you're interested. Yeah, let's move towards diffusion art generation. I'm with it, yeah. Yeah, diffusion, there are two main predictions. One prediction is now almost certain because Elon Musk actually uh, tweeted about that, is basically we are going to see a full feature film which is made entirely by AI, probably before the end of 2024, even much earlier, actually, the speed with which we are going. So we will see one full-length feature film commercially released in that particular area so that's one and second prediction for from my side is that we are going to see a lot of artists actually launching their ai model gallery so basically you have a model which is a website and you can go to that website and get the art generated based on the style of the artist so something that wirestock is trying to do but we will see that with the use of com comfy UI and and the SD models. So that's something that will definitely happen. It's already on the way. So you're saying feature length, would that feature length be end-to-end -end generated in 24 or will that be stitched from shorter generations? No, not end-to-end. -end. I don't think we have that capability yet. I don't know because the biggest challenge, as we discussed in one of the last episodes, if you remember, is the action connection in the latent space. The models still don't understand when you say blink eyes, right? they don't have that connection. And that's what these multi models will bring in. And if that particular problem is solved, then you can go ahead with the consistency in terms of characters, set, everything around that. But basically, that's where we'll go. Yeah, I don't know whether you've seen Salesforce ad, which was released day before yesterday or like two or three days ago. Okay, so 
they use Matthew McCartney for the ad and the entire background and everything is generated using AI. So the only part, so it's a green screen Matthew with entire thing, entire scene and all the movements are generated using AI. So we are already there almost. And also, if, if we're sliding into the voice and cloning thing, I think 2024, personally, my prediction there is, especially because it's an election year, the voice cloning tech is going to get released publicly as much as possible. I, I think at some point, very soon, voice cloning to the level of kind of the, the big guys, right? I don't think that was still open source. Everybody's guarded. Everybody's waiting for somebody else to release them. I think the dam will break in the high quality, super fast voice cloning tech. And once the dam breaks, everybody will start releasing them. We know everybody has this technology from Valley, from Microsoft, OpenAI licensed their like private technology to Spotify to translate. So I'm predicting like a big push in, in how voice cloning happens, how fast it happens, how prevalent this is everywhere, and how obviously cheap and easy this is on, on fine tuning on your, your own or somebody else's, somebody else's voice. That to me seems like a no brainer happening. We got some new folks on stage. Go ahead, Umesh, and then Ethan, and then Ash. Yeah, I'll just plug into what you said. So there, there is one more prediction from my list of things that I have, is that we will see either an app or a phone, which will actually translate things live, actually. So when you're talking to someone, someone might be speaking another language, and you will hear them in English, and you will speak something, and they'll be able to hear it in, in their language. So that, that is real possibility that can happen during, during 2024. That's going to happen in the first quarter, because I ordered such a device. It's called the, the Humane AI pin, and that's one of the capabilities I'm most looking forward to. Not that I have many people that I talk to who are like only one language, but I definitely want to try. Go ahead, Ethan. But, and then, but yeah, it, go ahead, Mush. Alexi, is it, just, just very quick, is it live? Is it? Because we don't have access to human pain, human pain in, in the UK yet. Yeah. So it does it translate live as you are talking to someone and it does like literally Actually, real latency. time? I don't know about latency. We'll see. But uh, I know like, the capabilities okay. I'm there. I'm talking about real time. <laughs> yeah, like full real time? Like some delay. Like what's real time to you? Google's uh, previously researched that uh, less than 300 milliseconds is almost real time for, for humans. Yeah, I'm looking for that Star Trek device. Oh, I see. Just full, complete, real time. Okay. What we have in, in the UN uh, in, in the headphones. Uh, go ahead, um, uh, Ethan, and then Ash, I think. So I'm not too sure if this has actually been mentioned, but I'll say it's more speculation rather than a full-on prediction. I actually think next year we're going to see maybe like the advent of voice-first interfaces. And what I mean by that is... Basically, recently, I think TikTok blew up in the context of ChatGPT. Someone literally talking for about five minutes and then ChatGPT replied, basically succinctly putting everything to a very simple reply. And for me, that was a very unique moment, given that I suppose people use Google for making queries. So the context for ChatGPT is basically like for reasoning through simple conversations so I have seen like a few apps like Audio Pen and a few other apps like that sort of do that in some way, shape or form. So I think voice first interfaces would probably be coming. That's one. And then the second thing I see is probably happening would be products, maybe applications that allow you to literally maybe run inference on device instead rather than actually pushing it to servers. We've seen like these models get really small, maybe Fi and like a few others. So maybe that will help people who make these products to significantly drop costs. So... It's like the two things I think that are 
very interesting that may be coming in 2024. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. And then, yeah, go ahead, Ash. Yeah, just complimenting on that part, Ethan. I think you're exactly right. Like with models getting smaller, more people run them on devices. I think today this are mostly enthusiasts, the ones who know their ways around Apple's SDK and Android's SDK. Those are quite messy, poorly documented. I think we'll have a lot more potentially open source projects next year around the deployments and inference on like all kinds of mobile and IoT devices. So definitely right there. But the part that I think people often miss, and I'm not sure there's a better place to mention this prediction than multimodality, is the rise in the number of models designed for CAM and bio use cases. Today, we mostly just talk about vision, language, audio when we talk about multimodal stuff. But I think people who are active in the space have noticed the rise in the number of closed source models for CAM and bio. And I think next year we'll have this similar boom in open source as well. Oh, interesting. What, what's, can you specify prediction there? What will we see? Will we see like an open source? Yeah, give us like yeah. a more specific thing. Uh, I, I think so. Every new domain generally starts with data sets. Even in multimodality, the conventional one, the data sets are not ideal. So you guys mentioned video. We've worked with video a little bit, and I've discussed it with a few friends in industry, and it seems video models are generally either models designed specifically for video or image models that are adapted for video. And the latter works okay when the image is like static, but once you have like complex motion described, even like the video specialized models are not ideal. So maybe the data sets in, the, in this motion-heavy video space will grow, thus the video comprehension and video generation will grow next year, like subsequent to the new data sets. Same way with like chemistry and bio. In chemistry, I've just released a few weeks ago a data set with AWS with a searchable index over 7 billion molecules. Those are small molecules for drug discovery, but not only, like also for broader research. And I'm not sure there are like too many well-organized data sets for proteins and biology. Uh, we'll probably try to partner with a few folks of that scale to bring better data sets to the industry and maybe also train and release something, maybe first some embeddings and then generative stuff. Awesome. Okay, sorry. so moving to... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, you wanted to finish up, Ash? Did I interrupt? I don't know. I feel like it's just pretty hard to say before there is a concrete result. Like, all of it is research, so you do a hundred of failing experiments before one succeeds. I'm not sure which ones will be the first successful experiments on those data sets, so it's just a very open-ended prediction. Awesome. All right. We have Ray's and then we have Ravi. Ray's first and then Ravi. Hello. Hey, everybody. As we know, the OpenAI lawsuit is one of many lawsuits that are out there. But what I see is the technology's gotten to a point where the deep fakes are a couple minutes. And it's going to be easy to imitate politicians and actors and so on. And with all the lawsuits, I think there's going to be more. But at the same time, running in parallel, my prediction is there's going to be a surge in metadata embedding and copyright identification of the ownership and, and that technology getting inserted into the video, into the audio in such a way that people can actually identify this content is mine. So a prediction here is a rise in tools or technologies to 
identify and watermark and, and, and know whether or not the generated content was generated or came from the real camera? Is that the prediction? But not, not just whether or not it was human or AI, but who the human was. Like it, it, it would embed my registration ID or something that w I could circle back and go, hey, this popped up in chat GPT, it belongs to me and I've got the ID to prove it. Interesting. That's a great prediction. Yeah, waiting for that as well. Thank you, Ray. Ravi, go ahead. Your prediction towards. I think we're in the. I think we lost the the, the categories, but we're like we're around video and, and and diffusion. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, awesome. Okay. So I, I think one one category that is that has been missed out is countries making their own LLMs. There is a huge push, for example, for GPT. So there are local. Okay. Here. There's a big push for it. I think that'll be fructify in 2024. That is one thing. The other one is uh, the rise of deep fakes, given that there are so many election seasons coming across the globe. So AI's application in deep fake and, and the kind of those kind of applications exploding, I think that will be that'll be the major uh, realization in 2024. The other one is that we are totally missing out the development of LLMs or domain-specific LLMs for applications in bio, especially with the major partnering between Google and the company called Ginkgo, which is a leader in this area called synthetic biology. And those applications are also coming to in 2024, many of them, as I see it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think we'll get more bio stuff. I think Ash, we were talking about this as well. Th thank you, Ravi. I think, folks, we're at the two and a half hours mark, and we did like a bunch of predictions. I want to ask like Toby maybe to do, you just came up to a prediction, and then we'll close out the space, and we'll tell you all Happy New Year uh, soon. But Toby, go ahead. You, you just came up. What's your 2024 predictions? I think that we're going to be seeing a big thing in the video game industry, especially for new people especially with this stable diffusion and those kinds of systems with the image generation, we're going to see big strides into 3D model generation and the animation for them. We're probably not going to be seeing like end-to-end, -end, but I see a possibility where with the 4090, with open source models all running locally, you can do image to uh, 3D model to animation, uh, and it will open the doors for a lot of people to create games and create mods and things like that. There's my prediction. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm waiting for the gaming industry to step in here. I've seen some examples and NPCs are still NPCs. And why if we can have them like be smart with local inference as well. I'm waiting for that in 24. I don't know if the big AAA game, but I'm waiting for an actual game to interact with like models, maybe via mods or something. Definitely. All right, folks, it's been a great time chatting with all of you for the past two and a half hours today but for the past eight months generally on thursday i this is a great like ending to our year basically as we're going towards the new year trying to predict the insanity of the developments that we're, we've been covering from week to week in in the space and obviously on, on x everywhere we did a full recap of the last year and that last year we did that on the birthday of ChatGPT. so i think we'll continue this hopefully next year as well we're going to do like a full year recap on the ChatGPT's birthday. And then we're going to do next year predictions. And we're going to look at the predictions recorded from today's space next year and then see how many of us undershot and how many of us overshot because uh, some of this exponential growth is not obviously linear. And so some of them comes in spurs and surprises. And sometimes crazy shit happens in the middle of the year, like the 
creation of the whole field of open source AI that now we're like all tracking. This happened this year and it was great to see. So with that, I just want to tell you all that if you have enjoyed these spaces, we do them every Thursday. We're going to do one for the first time next year, hopefully with a bunch of stuff to update about AI. There's also a newsletter field. Please feel free to follow that. That would be great, called ThursdayI.News. It's on my profile. If you missed any part of today, the recording, cleanup recording, will probably get released hopefully by end of today. And that's usually a great way to follow up with everything, even if you miss these spaces. I, As we come up to the, the, the last few minutes here, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who came up today, but generally everyone who usually comes up to the spaces, Umesh uh, up here, and then we have Nista and Pharrell and Yam came over and like a bunch of folks I see actually in the audience, like just a bunch of great friends that like starting to become like parts of this community of Thursday I that makes this conversation way, way more interesting and way more engaging as I'm not an expert in many of the stuff that we're trying to cover, but many other experts join and give their opinion and I'm asking the questions so that you and I will understand together. And just a shout out to obviously my employer who allows me to continue doing this on a weekly basis, weights and biases, who is a big part of many of these advancements that we see just from behind the scenes a little bit. So if you haven't checked out weights and biases, definitely check out some of our stuff that we post on my profile and the main profile as well. And I think with that, I will just tell you all happy new year, upcoming happy new year. Happy holidays. And then I think we undershot with our predictions, honestly. I think all of us, as much as we try to imagine, it's going to be incredible to, to see the new advancements from big companies. Uh, I think on-device stuff is happening like quicker than, than we expect. And uh, integration into the physical world, I think, is going to be a big theme as well. And we barely touched personalization. All these devices are dumb every time you start to talk. Oh, sorry. All, all these LLMs are dumb every time you start talking to them again. They're like a goldfish. They don't remember you. I think a huge thing is going to be from the perspective of, will this thing that I've talked to yesterday with remembers what I talked about it, uh, what about what I talked about yesterday? I think Tab from Avi Fishman is like moving there. And I think we'll see huge strides in how these devices are actually mined to actually augment humanity a little bit. So with that, I want to thank all of you for, for sticking with us. Those of you who have been here for the past two and a half hours, shout out to you and uh, a lot of applause. And yeah, I'll just play us out. But we'll see you here next week and have a happy new year and great start of the next year as we're covering all of it. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.